We're in message number four in our series, Locked Into God's Peace, from Paul's letter to the Philippian Christians. The churches are suffering hardship and persecution. The Roman Empire is corrupt. The Senate is seduced. The emperor is a maniac. The church of Jesus Christ is losing their leadership presence. Paul is imprisoned. Peter probably is as well. False teachers are invading the harvest field of the converted non-Jewish followers of Jesus, seeking to turn them into legalists and fall from grace. Others are trying to guide them back into pagan mysticism with a little bit of Jesus added for good measure so they can have license to commit sexual sin. Yet Paul is at peace. Not because he doesn't care. He cares greatly. He cares deeply. He's at peace for he knows God is working. God is in control. Nothing can stop what is coming into the world. The gospel of Jesus Christ is going to reach the nations and the islands of the sea. And Paul is certain of this. God will raise up leaders and servants and preachers and followers to serve Jesus Christ and preach Jesus Christ no matter what the devils do. The Lord is in control. Unbelievers, even soldiers, are being converted even while he's in lockdown. His heart is filled with affection for God's people. He's filled with a joy And he mentions joy as much as he mentions anything in his letter. And he calls the believers into the same peace and joy, even in his troubled times. Now, here we are in August 2020. How you doing? How you doing? It would appear our nation is dividing fighting, and in a level of unrest like nothing I've seen since 1960s. People are fighting over COVID-19, over governors, over whose lives matter most, over flags, over Facebook posts. People are contentious over churches opening or not opening, over the presidential campaigns. Now we're even fighting over mailboxes as a point of contention. While grandmothers in the inner cities are fearful for their grandkids, some policemen are loved and others are hated. People are labeled and defined and placed in concrete cells, canceled, done. Some are promising good days ahead if you vote for them. Others are sending out prophecies that doom is just up around the bend. How you doing out there? I had this series sketched out and planned back in April. Was ready to launch it and felt a strong pause. I think we need it right now. I know I do. I know you do. 
And if you haven't been convinced of that, give this country another few months, and I hope you will remember, oh yeah, I better go back and check out Tim's series on the peace of God. There's my introduction. You still with me? I said all that to say, in the midst of all this, God has a promise. He longs to take the humble and hungry and teachable by the hand, guide our feet into the pathway of peace. If we let him guide us, then we can guide others. We've been called, according to Philippians, to hold out the word of life and shine like lights in the world, not fearing the ungodly response. Jesus promised peace to those he was sending out like lambs in the midst of wolves. Peace I give you. Paul in his letter tells us God can do this. We've read enough to see that Paul was saying, I've learned the path even though I'm locked in. I'm locked into the peace of God and you can experience the same. Where have we been so far? The path to the peace of God is about having a person-to-person genesis that keeps on genesising with Jesus. It's about keeping people in your heart and our harbor filled with love toward them. A great mindset is a grace mindset. It's also about trusting God's providence. He's got it all in control. And so now for number four, here's another. Living in the peace of God is about choosing to serve. Now I'm breaking all these paths down, but you can't separate and pick and choose. So you have to go back and check out the messages so you can get the big picture. We're going to start out again where we've started out every week. Philippians chapter 4, verse 9, where Paul says, The things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. So we can get caught up in every conflict that exists right now, or the conflicts that are coming up around the bend We can label and divide. We can plant our flag instead of bowing at the cross. Burn our flag instead of bowing at the cross. We can define people. We can defame people. We can write people off. We can write brothers and sisters of Christ off. Or, or, we can just choose to be servants. I can choose to be a servant and experience the peace of God. What kind of servant are we talking about? Paul called himself a bond servant, doulos in the Greek. It means to be, to love the one you serve so deeply that you bond your life to the things he's about, the things he loves, and the people he loves. That's how Paul describes a bondservant. Let's see the description in Philippians about what it means to choose to serve. 
Number one, a servant's heart stays filled with the affection of Jesus. Now, how do you do that? Prayer and your still shots of people, when we review them, we review them through the eyes of grace and faith and love, exactly the way we want Jesus to review us. Paul talks about that kind of prayer in the first chapter, starting in verse 9, and he says, and this I pray, what? That your love may abound still more and more in real knowledge and all discernment so that you may approve the things that are excellent. Now stop right there. Here's what he says. I pray that in all your discerning and your knowledge... When you relay your discernment and your knowledge, it will be done in such a way that the majesty of the character of our king is put on display by the way you present your discernment and your knowledge. And I know the only way to do that is this. I pray that your love abounds. In other words, a bondservant heart stays filled with the affection of Jesus. Verse 10, in order to be sincere and blameless until the day of Christ, having been filled with the fruit of righteousness which comes through, that's the vine, through Jesus Christ. That's that Genesis thing. The only way to do that is for Jesus to show up in us, and the only way for that to happen is through prayer that stays connected and in that kind of life, love is flowing, and wherever love is, peace is. Scott Sauls wrote a great book called Befriend. He says something that explains this perfectly. Scott says, while Martha is, remember Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters? Remember her? Remember them? He says, while Martha is busy trying to be like Jesus, Mary spends her energy being with Jesus. And in being with Jesus, Mary becomes like Jesus. A, a servant's heart stays filled with the affection of Jesus. You know what? You and I, we leak. <laughs> so what do we do? We pray and we bring our still shots and we say, Lord, I'm seeing people through different eyes. Lord, I pray that you'd help me to have your lens and see people through the eyes of grace and faith and love the same way I need you to see me. It's choosing to serve, and as we choose to serve, God leads us into the path of the peace of God. Here's something else that describes the kind of servant we're talking about. Number two, a servant has to choose a mindset minute by minute. Chapter 2, verse 1. Therefore, if there is any encouragement in Christ, if there is any consolation of love, if there is any fellowship of the Spirit, if any affection and compassion, make my joy complete by being of the same mind, maintaining the same love, united in spirit, intent on one purpose. David Guzik, in his commentary on this, says, Paul is mentioning these things in a manner that suggests to us that they should be the obvious parts of our Christian experience. 
In other words, just as water is wet and fire is hot, rocks are rocky, Christians should be encouraging others, consoling through love, fellowshipping in the spirit, showing affection and compassion, and maintaining this kind of love in one purpose. That's what bond servants are. And then he adds this in verse three. Do nothing from selfishness, or these two words, empty conceit, but with humility of mind. See, a servant has to set their mind minute by minute. But with humility of mind, regard one another as more important than yourselves. He says, do nothing from selfishness. And then he talks about this thing called conceit. I looked up what conceit means. It literally means empty glory. So the glory of Jesus is one thing, and then there are people that look for glory in the world and and portray a so-called glory, a pseudo-glory. Conceited means empty glory. The dictionary says an excessively favorable opinion of one's own abilities, importance, and even wit. When we live like that, we're out of the will of God. Because bondservants of Jesus don't model that. Bondservants of Jesus are building up a wall in their minds against the devil's suggestions, lest they get infected with the disease of conceit. So a servant has to choose a mindset Minute by minute, don't you wish that God could just touch our minds and we'd always be set, unmovable, with that kind of an affection and love for others? But we're in a war. Chuck Swindoll, in his book, Hope Again, talks about this relational love, bond to bond, servant to servant. He says, every one of us can blame somebody for something that's happened in our lives, but don't waste your time. What we need most is a steady stream of love flowing among us. Love that quickly forgives, willingly overlooks, and refuses to take offense. I said a mindset that has to be maintained minute by minute. I'll tell you my experience with that. Why do I say it's a mindset that needs to be maintained? Because the contrary winds are blowing every minute. Because the enemy of the soul, there's a lot of things we don't preach much about in church anymore. We don't preach about hell. Don't preach about the coming of Jesus. Don't preach about the devil. But the devil is the enemy of your soul and mine He's called a destroyer, he's a murderer, a slanderer, a defiler, and a divider, and a deceiver. And the enemy is always seeking to build a case in my mind against my brother, against my spouse, against my parents, against my family, against my friends, against my church, and I'll say to you, against your pastor, (laughs) I need one sometimes, So the peace of God has to be maintained by a servant mindset, minute by minute. That means that I have to keep a model out in front of me 
of what servanthood is. Because this world system is not filled with many of them. The Lord's servants must continually choose their model. Here are three models in the book of Philippians of what it means to have the kind of servanthood that brings the peace of God. Well, we all know the first one, right? Jesus. In chapter two, Paul says, don't merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interests of others. Have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, although he existed, ready, in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, taking the form of a bond servant and being made in the likeness of men. Emptied himself, two English words, comes from one Greek word, the Greek word kenosis. It means to pour out completely. Jesus poured out his life completely. What did he empty himself of? Jesus emptied himself of personal divine right. Personal divine privilege. And he gave himself completely to others. I say it like this. When I was thinking about this, I was praying, how do I explain this most? And this came to my mind. Jesus looked and acted more like a slave than a god. Jesus looked and acted more like a slave than a God. The reason that the religious leaders didn't believe he was the son of God was because he didn't act like one. We go, wow, well, Jesus is the model, but who can be like Jesus? So Paul must have known that, so he added two people who were human beings like us, and he names them, Timothy. Here's how he describes Timothy, verse 19. But I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly so that I also may be encouraged when I learn of your condition. See the heart for others? Verse 20, for I have no one else of kindred spirit who will genuinely be concerned for your welfare. For they all seek after their own interests, not those of Christ Jesus. But you know of, quote, his proven worth that he served with me in the furtherance of the gospel like a child serving his father. We're talking about the pathway to the peace of God. In the age of blowhards and hard winds blowing, models of all kinds right now, right now, we must choose our models wisely. And Paul is giving us three, and he's the fourth, which he mentions again. It's the scripture we start every sermon with in this series. But back to Jesus, he says, let this mindset be in you that was in Christ Jesus. Look at their form. If we're looking for models, 
We're to look at their form, not their build. (laughs) Thank God. Not their style, not their words. Look at whether their form is like the description of Jesus. Look for bond servants, Timothy. Here's another one, Epaphroditus. Raise your hand if that's what you're going to name your next baby, Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus, he's in the Hall of Fame in the Bible. Look at the sacrificial model. He was from Philippi. He brought a financial gift to Paul, and then he stayed there to comfort him. Look what happens to him in verse 25. But I thought it necessary to send you Epaphroditus. What should, what should my Christianity look like to those in my life? Uh, here's how he describes Epaphroditus. Ready? My brother, fellow worker, fellow soldier, who is also your messenger and minister to my need because he was longing for you all and he was distressed because you had heard that he was sick. Verse 27, for he, indeed he was sick to the point of death, but God had mercy on him and not on him only, also on me so that I would not have sorrow upon sorrow. See, we're not talking about a guy who was happy in happy town living on, in some kind of fantasy land. Paul had sorrow, but he had the peace of God. Verse 28, therefore I have sent him all the more eagerly so that when you see him again, you may rejoice and I may be less concerned about you. See the heart? Verse 29, receive him then in the Lord with all joy and quote, hold men like him in high regard. Now note what isn't there. Did Paul mention anything about his preaching? Epaphroditus. Did he mention anything about his power moves in the kingdom? Did he mention his talent? Did he mention what he looked like? Colossian letter mentions him again, and you know how else he's described? He is always wrestling in prayer for you. Brother, worker, soldier, wrestling the right enemy. Verse 30, because he came close to death for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was deficient in your service to me. Wow. How can I become such a model? When we realize how good Jesus has been to us, We can willingly choose to bond our whole life in service to him and those he loves, and that's the pathway to peace. Jesus says, if you want to love me like that, bond to my people, not just me like that. Give yourselves to those who crucified me. (laughs) My favorite research commentary in my severe Bible nerd times is Lenski's commentary. The ancient Greeks considered lowliness of mind to be a fault, not a virtue. The pagan and secular idea of manhood is self-assertiveness, imposing one's will on another. And they thought when anyone stooped down to others, they would only do it if they were forced. Because to do it 
willingly was disgraceful in the Greek-Roman culture. And then Lenski says, the Christian idea of humility could not be reached by someone like that because they lacked the spiritual soil for it to be produced. When we understand God's providence, we can be at peace when Nero's power increases. When heroes get arrested. When our valiant kingdom warriors age and fade. Because we know God has new ones coming. The gospel's gonna go where the bond servants go. Our King Jesus didn't look like a king nor act like a king of the world. He was lowly and meek in the pagan's eyes, disgraceful. But this letter says every knee will bow to him and every tongue will confess his name, including all the Caesars and all the assertives. One more piece of this portrait regarding servanthood and how it ties into having the peace of God. The Lord's servants, when out of tune, must stand corrected. He mentions these people in the fourth chapter, starting in verse two. I urge Udiah and I urge Syntyche to live in harmony in the Lord. Indeed, true companion, I ask you also to help these women who have shared my struggle in the cause of the gospel, whose names are in the book of life. Paul calls, can you imagine? Paul calls out two leaders. Can you imagine if you knew that you were doing, if you knew that how you were living would make history but the wrong kind and used by the Holy Spirit as a model of how not to model servant leadership. And for all the ages, there's your name. And there's his name. When we get to heaven, they're going to probably be standing at the gate go going, hey, we listened. <laughs> we, 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 we worked it out. <laughs> the Beatles got back together. <laughs> Udiah and Syntyche live in harmony in the Lord. How? Find where your harmony is. It's in the Lord. Partnered in the gospel. You're both in the book of life, guys, girls. And then he, he doesn't name the other person. He goes, hey, and, and hey, you in there, you get those guys, girls straightened out. Go tell them they're hitting the wrong note. That takes humility. It takes guts to call them out too. <laughs> but when you see what's more important, you have new eyes and new ears. I gotta confess something to you. I have had many times in my life when I got tired and battle weary and I started keeping score. And then I started feeling sorry for myself. Then I got sad. Then I got disturbed. Then I got irritated. Then I got offended. Why? 
because I started entertaining in my mind the accusations of the devil toward others and I let my wall down. I forgot who I was and I forgot who they were. Can I tell you something as straight as I can tell you? I don't care who you are or how anointed you are or where you are. If you're in the kingdom, you're in a war and listen. When those voices come, you have about five seconds to shut them down and take authority over them. And it's hard though because those voices appeal to my pride and your pride and build a case of how wonderful I am and how they are. And I get my heart in agreement and the wall comes down. And you know what you know? Here's how you know. When you get in agreement with the accuser about your sister or your brother, peace leaves. I've had that happen to me so many times. And so I remember one time, and this is what changed me. I can still fall in it. I will fall in it because I'm human. I remember one time I thought I'd pray and inform God about a few people who weren't doing what they were supposed to be doing and how I was just going to be like they were being. If they don't, I don't. If they won't, I won't. On and on. And I prayed that to God and Jesus stopped me and interrupted my um, prayer. (laughs) And here's what he said to me. Or you could always just serve Oh man, did that stop me? Man, I mean, I I had it. I had it. I had the list. I I had nursed it. I had rehearsed it. And I I was going down the line and I was hot and I was hitting every single one. And I was saying to the Lord, he interrupted me and he said, or you could just always serve. Or you could just always serve. And he kept talking, he said, because that's what I did. And Tim, it works better. Yeah, Tim, here it is. Tim, I want you to just serve, just serve them. That's a true story. Ouch. None of us are above that. Do you know what I found out? It's easier to find Jesus on the floor around feet than it is sometimes to find him in the heavens. Now I'm gonna drop this message off at your feet right now. It's at mine too. And I've got a winning hand right now. And here's what the cards are. J-A-M-E-S. I want to speak to the bond servants who need a tune-up. And I'm going to throw the full house down on the table right now. James 3. Do you want to be counted wise? Do you want to build a reputation for being of wisdom? Here's what you do. Live humbly. It's the way you live, not the way you talk that counts. Mean-spirited ambition isn't wisdom. Boasting that you are wise isn't wisdom. Twisting the truth to make yourself sound wise isn't wisdom. It's the furthest thing from wisdom. It's devilish and conniving. 
Whenever you're trying to look better than others or get the better of others, things fall apart and everyone ends up at the other's throat. Real wisdom, God's wisdom, begins with a holy life and is characterized by getting along with others. It's gentle, reasonable, overflowing with mercy and blessings, not hot one day and cold the next, not two-faced. You can develop a healthy, robust community that lives right with God and enjoys its results only if you do the hard work of getting along with each other, treating each other, ready? With dignity and honor. You'll never hear those words come out of a dragon's mouth into your ears toward yourself or to somebody else. I want to close with this. You know what Jesus did for Saul of Tarsus? Jesus broke down his conceited heart. His malicious attitude he had while carrying Bible scrolls under his arms, promise prayers strapped on his forehead, and a prayer shawl over his shoulder. But then he saw Jesus form. And Paul never wanted to go back and be that guy again. Jesus loved him to love and bonded him to the body of Christ. He marked him by the cross and Paul carried those wounds. Actually, Paul wanted to fill up what was lacking in suffering for the sake of Christ's body. And Paul wanted to spend the rest of his life serving the imperfect brothers, sisters, fellow flawed workers in the bride of Christ. Like Jesus would have done. And that's why he was locked in to peace. Because he let everything else go. I think we need to really join him now. I'm not a prophet, I'm a pastor, I'm trying to follow Jesus for the last couple, three decades. I don't hear everything, but I just wanna throw this out there for you. In the next few months, you and I could add to the chaos, the civil unrest, the malice, the division, more hate, more speculation, or you and I could just choose to serve. In the upcoming months and into 2021, we could fill our minds with the idiot winds that will be blowing out of the mouths of others. We'd feed the beast, we could fight for our rightness and our righteous causes and the political party that we're assured Jesus is a part of. Because many people, including, including believers, are, are going to do just that. And that will not form Christ in us or bring Christ into the conflict of our times. Do that. 
I can do that. Or as bond servants of Jesus from another kingdom. We could just choose to be seen in the form of a servant, peacemakers like our Lord. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, for those who aren't ready, should you come for your bride? I pray for them to get into the ark of safety. I pray they'd confess their sins. They'd surrender to your lordship and bow at the foot of the cross. For those who think they have plenty of time to get things right with you and with others, I pray that through this message, alarm bells would go off in their souls and you'd lead them clearly, honestly, gently to repent and reconcile for it's not okay to live in the disease of division or self-deluded conceit. For those of us who've let our guard down and we've gotten up off the floor and sat on a throne again, in our own convictions, our own declarations, inspecting and critiquing, distant and dumb, forgive us. Melt us again like you did Saul of Tarsus. Help us to get back on the floor with the basin and the towel with you and the angels. Lord, for the church and our country, that we'd be set free from fear, from pride, from assumption, planting flags or burning them instead of staying beneath the cross. For those of us who've put your name on our politics, please open the eyes of our hearts to see what kind of believer is truly needed in this hour. Please, Lord Jesus, let us listen to Paul's wise counsel entrusted to us once for all. Lead us not into temptation of our times. And please, deliver us from the evil that is and that could come. And help us to choose to serve. Bonded to you forever and bonded to our family of believers. Bonded to the gospel call to make reconciliation to the enemies of God through the cross. In the power of the Spirit, clothed in the full armor of God, we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.